uh, we, my wife and I, we're going to do a skit, but she's not here, so we can't do it. <laughs> but today, today I'm talking about anger. I, I want to start by talking about a, something that happened some years back. I have two brothers in the UK, and uh, my mum, before she passed away, one of my brothers said, would I see a family? And so I saw this couple, and what had happened is this couple's 21-year-old son had attempted suicide, and they were devastated. And uh, Christian family, loving family, they just couldn't understand why it, it was that their son would attempt to take his life. And so we talked some more, and I gathered a little bit more of the family of origin, and the mother uh, said to me that her father was abusively angry. He would explode at the drop of a hat. And she had determined that that was not going to happen in her home. And so she had suppressed, stopped any expression of anger at all. And the reason why that young boy, and, and what happens in the UK when you attempt suicide, you admit it to hospital, and a psychologist is automatically assigned to you. And the psychologist had said, this boy needs anger management. And she, again, was dumbfounded. She said, what do you mean he needs anger management? He never gets angry. And I tell that story because it illustrates the two extremes of uh, mismanagement of anger. He, believing that he was not allowed to be angry at all, had suppressed any expression of anger. She came from a home where the father was abusively angry and, yeah, did a lot of damage. And so you get these two extremes. We have a slide to talk about it. The, uh, on the one side being passive, and passive is angry, just suppressed. And on the other side is the aggressive. And uh, we're all on that spectrum somewhere. And often the passive side marries the aggressive side. So I don't know if you know that. Um, but neither of them are healthy ways of dealing with anger. And so what is the right way of managing anger? I want to start by saying what I said last time is that there's nothing wrong with the emotion in itself. Just like we said, anxiety is neutral, so anger is neutral. It's not anger that is wrong, it's what we do with it that counts. And I hope that you'll see that as we go through. So, uh, what should we be doing? What should we be doing with this anger? I just wanted to uh, talk about the fact that we um, experience these emotions uh, because we are made in the image of God. And God is an emotional being. And just like he's an emotional being, so we have these emotions. And I want to put some of these scriptures up just to demonstrate that. Deuteronomy 9, thank you. Deuteronomy 9 and 19. I fear the anger and the wrath of the Lord, for he was angry enough to destroy you. Psalm 7. God is a righteous judge, a God who expresses his wrath. That's extreme anger every day. That's interesting, isn't it? Mark 3, this is Jesus. Then Jesus asked them, he had a crowd around him, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good, do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. They didn't want to answer because they 
felt that he was putting them in a corner. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And Mark 9, anyone, if anyone causes, this is Jesus' words, if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to be drowned in the sea with a large millstone tied around his neck. I think those are angry words from a loving God. Is that right? And we know of that experience when Jesus cleared the temple. I think that's a picture of God's wrath. There's some interesting uh, scriptures in the Psalms, and we love the Psalms because the Psalms express emotions regularly, don't they? And we identify with those emotions. I think of uh, David, he, in Psalm 55, he says this, Let death take my enemies by surprise. <laughs> Imagine saying that. Let them go down alive to the grave, for evil finds lodging among them. That's Psalm 55. And then in Psalm 35, May those who seek my life be like chaff before the wind. May their path be dark and slippery. May ruin overtake them. May they fall into the pit to their ruin. And again, I think those are angry words, don't you? So David felt free in his prayer to God, in his song to God, to express his anger. But here's the interesting thing. Uh, David had opportunity, if you remember, to kill his enemy. Do you remember that twice uh, God gave Saul into his hands? Could have killed him. And he refused. He said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And here's the thing, folks. David felt quite free to express his anger, but he did not allow that emotion to control his behavior. Does that make sense? So, yes, these emotions are neutral, but it's what we do with them that counts. So today we're not going to talk about eradicating anger. Rather, we're going to talk about managing it in a constructive way. So if we manage anger in a constructive way, what would it look like? Well, let's look at God's anger. anger uh, God's anger is firstly slow, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to be angry. I want to come back to that. Uh, secondly, restrained, yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time, he restrained his anger. I think he controlled his anger. It needs to be under control. It was brief, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. And again, I want to come back to that. Brief. And then finally, it was a forgiving anger. The Lord is slow to anger, abounding in love, forgiving sin and rebellion. In accordance with your great love, forgive the sin of these people, just as you have pardoned them in the time when they left Egypt until now. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. So slow, restrained, brief, and forgiving. That's the kind of anger that we need to uh, display if we're going to emulate the Lord God in his anger. Because Aristotle is that anyone can become angry, that's easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way, that's not so easy. <laughs> so how do we do this? How do we manage our anger? And uh, I want to give you some scriptures. The, the first comes from right at the beginning of the Bible. It talks about Cain, uh, one angry young man. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you 
must master it. Isn't that interesting? And we know what happened. He didn't master it. And he ended up killing his brother. His anger mastered him rather than he mastered his anger. And so how do we manage our anger? How do we control our anger rather than it master us? The first scripture, which I think is so instructive, is James 1.19. says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And I think the problem is that so often those of us who have problems with anger is that we snap in a split second. Isn't that right? We come from neutral to suddenly we've lost it. And what this scripture is saying is slow that process down. Slow it down. It's like this ladder. Um, in the next slide. Um, it's, you know, we, while we're climbing the ladder, at any point on that ladder you can go down. Or you can stop. Does that make sense? But once you're on the slide, it's too late. And that's what happens, folks. There's a process that happens, even though it feels like it's a split second, even though it feels like, whammo, I'm suddenly angry. There's been a process. There's been a buildup that's happening. And we need to slow the process down. We need to become aware of what's going on. We need to become aware of the triggers that set us off so that we can be aware of where we are on that ladder. Slow the process down, I think, is the first thing that the Scripture tells us to do. And then the scripture that I want to focus on, it's a tremendously helpful scripture. It's in Ephesians 4 and verse 26. It says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. And I want to look at each one of those, those uh, phrases. In your anger do not sin. So how do we sin in our anger? It's interesting, by the way, that it doesn't say don't be angry. It says in your anger don't sin. But how do we sin in our anger? Well, obviously, this is what's given um, anger a bad name. This is when we lose control. This is when we start swearing or um, shouting. Or probably the worst thing we do is we name call, we slander. And we say, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will not harm me. That's just a lie. Because my bone can heal in six weeks. But you can say a word in anger that I will remember for years and years and years. That wounds incredibly. So we, we become angry and shout aggressively. And it becomes abusive. We throw things, break things. And sadly, sometimes even uh, it goes into violence where we punch and beat a person. So all of these obviously cause damage. This is what, how we sin in our anger. So how do we prevent this? How do we not sin in our anger? You see, when we sin in our anger, it's when we've lost control. We say, keep your temper. We lose our temper. So how do we keep control? And sometimes we say, well, you know, I, I need to count to ten. I need to withdraw. I need to just take a break. And I think that's, that's good wisdom. Uh, it's about calming down. Let me just move away for a while so that I can slow down this process and get control of this anger. But what's the problem with that? So I need to count to ten. I need to withdraw. The problem is, is that very often I go to the other extreme and I just suppress it all. And it doesn't get dealt with. 
So I bury my anger, go from this being afraid of losing it to the other extreme of just burying it. And I bury my anger and I bury the issue. And the issue never gets resolved. I don't know how many times I've spoken to people who have issue after issue after issue. They've never resolved those issues. They just got buried. And so often, because we want to keep the peace, we don't want to rock the boat, we stay withdrawn. We walk away, but we never come back. We suppress our anger. And the problem with suppressing our anger is what? We suppress it and suppress it and suppress it and suppress it. And what happens? It's like a volcano, isn't it? At some point, it's going to blow. And when it blows, it's times 10 of the incident that's just happened. Because it's all pent up. It's built up. It's there. Is that right? So it builds up. Suppressed anger is as dangerous and as damaging as the exploding in our anger. And I want to talk about some of those, those things. Um, uh, I remember reading a report uh, of a man in Cumbria in the UK who had been on a rampage. He had killed a number of people. He had shot a number of people. And uh, the press interviewed some people who knew the man. And they were expressing surprise because they said he was such a quiet man. He was such an unassuming man. He just kept to himself. And they were so surprised that he had gone off on this rampage and killed all these people. And I don't know this, but my strong suspicion is he was one of these that suppressed his anger. There were things going on, bubbling away, and then something happened and he snapped. And that volcano let loose. And that's the problem with just suppressing. We read of, of Absalom in 2 Samuel 13. Uh, Absalom killing his bro brother Amnon. And he killed his brother because two years prior, Amnon had killed Absalom's sister. Actually, both his sisters. Do you remember that story? Two years later. So he had been sitting on that incident for two years. So suppressing our anger doesn't work. The other fallout of uh, suppressed anger is that often it leads to passive-aggressive behavior. In other words, we start acting out our anger instead of speaking it out. It's when husband keeps on coming home late and so wife just burns the supper. <coughs> so she's not saying I'm angry with you, but she is. Does that make sense? <coughs> so, and we do that all the time. I, I have to confess that early on in our marriage, I would go silent, just not speak. So what's wrong? Nothing! <laughs> you better know what's wrong. Everything's wrong, actually. But silent treatment, my wife would feel disrespected, and uh, she, she hated it. And it, in a way, it was a passive-aggressive behavior. It doesn't work, folks. It's not healthy management of anger. And so passive-aggressive behavior doesn't work. And then uh, quite often when we suppress our anger, and it's a habit of ours, uh, that anger can turn inwards and lead to depression. And that young man I spoke about, that's what had happened in his, that's why the psychologist said you need anger management. He had to learn how to express his anger. And uh, we all need to do that, and we'll talk about that just now. So uh, depression can be a result of suppressed anger, and of course bitterness as well, where we just suppress the anger that can lead to being bitter in our disposition. can lead to health problems. Sometimes we have blood pressure, heart problems, tension, headaches, ulcers, all sorts of problems, backache because of a lack of 
expressing our anger. And then sometimes we displace our anger. So the boss makes us angry at work, and we come and take it out on the wife. Is that right? Uh, or the cost of living goes up, and think, oh, you know, I can't afford this jolly thing, and how am I going to survive in this country? And we take it out on, on the kids or something like that. And again, it's not a healthy way of dealing with our anger because it's there, but we're not expressing it for what it is. So uh, what is the right way of dealing with our anger? We want to talk about that just now. So along with um, bearing our anger, by the way, we bury the issue. And if you're going to resolve conflict, which all of us have, we do need to learn to resolve co conflict. I know that uh, Ian does a talk called Critical Conversations, and I'm sure you would have heard that, that talk, have you? Critical Conversations. It's really about confronting people. It's great uh, talk that Ian gives. But if you're going to have that critical conversation with people that we inevitably need to have, you need to be able to manage your anger first. You're not going to resolve your conflict if you can't manage your anger. Does that make sense? And burying it is not the answer. So, what do we do? We've said it's not uh, let rip, not don't explode, don't lose control, but equally don't just suppress and bury that em emotion. And we're so afraid sometimes of speaking because if I think, and I think, feel like this myself sometimes, I think, gee, if I say something now, I'm going to regret what I say. So what do we do? So I counter ten, I withdraw a bit, but the danger of withdrawing is that it's never going to be dealt with. I'm just going to bury it. So the very next phrase of that scripture says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. I think it's such a great balance in the scripture, isn't there? What does that mean? What does it mean, don't let the sun go down on your anger? Well, well I think it means deal with it. Deal with the thing. I don't think it's literally, you know, it's five to six. Let's quickly talk about this thing before the sun goes down. I think it's, hey, deal with it as soon as you can. <clears throat> so you might be one of those, you think, well, gee, I can't, if I speak now, I'm going to lose it. Um, and I think maybe counting to ten and withdrawing is the right thing to do. But you need to do that with, on the condition that you make a time to come back to deal with this issue. We sometimes talk about making an appointment, and that sounds very formal, but it just nails it down. And it might be something like, you know, I really I feel uh, upset about this, uh, and if I talk about it now, I might blow it and hurt you. So can we come back and talk about it at 3 o'clock this afternoon? Does that make sense? So I'm not just losing control, and I'm not just suppressing it forever, but I'm making a time, committing myself and us to actually dealing with the issue. And uh, if we don't do this, he says, uh, then you will give the devil a foothold. And, and folks, um, I, I get distressed sometimes of how often Christians live with broken relationships. Christians who love the Lord and yet don't sort things out with their neighbor. And Jesus said either way, he says, if your, your, your brother sins, go to him and tell him, deal with it. And he says, if so, you find someone is offended with you, go and be reconciled with them. So either way, we have a responsibility to sort those things out. And again, as I say, we need to sort our anger out if we are um, going to deal with those issues. And so when we don't sort those issues out, we give the devil a foothold. We give him space. We give him the rope, if you like. And so... 
how can we deal with our anger in a constructive way? And the next slide, I think, will help you. Um, on the one side is passive, on the other side is, uh, is aggressive. And in the same chapter, believe it or not, Ephesians chapter 4 says, is that scripture. Speak the truth in love. And so what needs to happen, wherever you are on that spectrum, the aggressive folk need to learn control. And they need to come to the middle where they learn to speak the truth, but to do it in love. And yeah, if you're that kind of disposition, we need, you know, the, 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 the scripture talks about one of the fruits of the spirit being, uh, being self-control. And I think that that, because it's a fruit of the spirit, is spirit control. It's saying, Lord, help me. Help me to, to talk about these things that have annoyed me or hurt me or whatever it is, but to do them in love. So the aggressive needs to move towards the middle and speak the truth in love. But the passive person needs to learn to speak up. Does that make sense? And not just bury it. And again, we often need the Holy Spirit to do that because these things are scary and they, they, it might go wrong. And because of that, we're afraid of it and so we never deal with it. And again, we have these bricks in our relationships that act as barriers because they are unresolved issues that remain unresolved. And that passive person needs to learn to speak up. Yes, do it in love. Do it in a, in a controlled way. But they must learn to speak up. Psychologists talk about being assertive. I think the biblical version of assertiveness is this. Speak the truth in love. And again, in that uh, chapter 4 of Ephesians, there's another verse which is so relevant. It says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I think if you speak the truth in love, you're being loving, you're trying to help, you're being constructive, you're under control as you, 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 as you talk, as you resolve those issues. Does that make sense? So before we confront people, and very often these things need a confrontation, needs that critical conversation, before we do that, we need to work on ourselves. And uh, that means working on that anger. And I think it's so important, we've, we've talked about the explosion, and we've talked about the being passive, uh, finding that way in the middle, but if we're going to do that, we need to be able to express our anger just on our own. And there's different ways of expressing. Um, is there a slide for that? We can, yeah, there we are. We can express, we can talk to a friend, talk to someone who's not going to tell you how you feel. Get it off your chest. Talk to a counselor. Hopefully it's a safe place to, for you to be able to talk. A journal, just writing. Somehow writing can be very helpful in expressing these things. Just don't let anyone read what you're saying. Like we read what uh, David said. <laughs> Um, writing a letter, just don't send it. So, does that make sense? I remember once uh, at the center, the counseling center, the borehole broke and we got people in and they fixed it. And it, I think it worked for a day and then it broke again and we got them in and blow me down if they didn't give us another bill. And I wrote a letter. I'm telling you, it was, it, there was steam coming off this letter. <clears throat> that was the night before. I actually spoke to them. <laughs> but you see, it just enabled me to get, you know, I didn't send that letter. Uh, just let it off. Get, let off steam. Prayer. Prayer is a great way of, 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 and that's what the Psalms are, guys. They, they're talking to the Lord. 
how you feel is how you feel. He knows how you feel. He, he's not, you're not catching him by surprise. Saying, oh, I don't know you're feeling so angry. He knows it. So you're just telling him what he knows. And then there's other techniques. You can we do what we call an empty chair, where you, you put that person in the chair. They're not there. And you tell them what you think of them. Uh, <laughs> it's just a case of unburdening. And you see, I think those are ways of expressing before you confront the person themselves and you have that conversation. So it's all learning way, uh, are ways of learning to manage our emotion. And once we've expressed these things, folks, what we so uh, important that we do is we then let it go. And we express it, whether it's to empty chair or whether it's to the Lord or it's to a letter. We have to let go of that anger. Talked about this last week. Yes, be anxious, take it to the Lord, then let it go. With anger, be angry, express it, let it go. That's what forgiveness is. It's okay to be angry. It's not okay to stay angry. Does that make sense? Sometimes we have this thing that I have a right to be angry. Well, maybe, but up to a point. There comes a time when you need to express it, deal with it, and let it go. Uh, anger and forgiveness have everything to do with each other. Forgiveness is not not being angry. Forgiveness is being angry, finding ways of expressing it, but then letting it go. I hope that makes sense. So I've talked to you about that scripture, which I think is such a brilliant scripture in terms of giving us a model of how we uh, are to manage our anger. Um, I'm just going to take a, a short time and to talk about a huge subject. All of these are big subjects. But there are things that we can learn from these negative emotions. There are things that we can learn from our anger. We, we, we talk about the lights on the dashboard. There's a light flashing, and it's saying there's something going on. You need to give it attention. And when you are angry and ongoing and, and continually angry, you need to say, hey, there's something going on. What is it? And I'm just going to quickly talk about some of the tools. The first thing about anger is this, is that sometimes we, we are angry for one reason, is we simply have not got our own way just because of our selfishness. And because of that selfishness, and we don't get our own way, we get angry. And uh, uh, scripture in line with that is in James. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. So you kill and you covet. But you cannot get what you want. You quarrel and fight. So the first question to ask yourself when you're angry is, Am I just, is this just me being selfish? Is this me being self-centered and demanding my own way? Because if it is, I need to repent of that. Say, Lord, forgive me. The very opposite of you expect of us, to be selfless. So that's the first thing that this can tell us. The second thing, and this is a huge topic, and I'm just going to deal with it very briefly, is this, is that... We say of those negative emotions, they are clues to our unconscious goals. Not conscious goals, they're not goals that you wake up in the morning saying, I'm going to do A, B, C, D. They're unconscious, they're there, and they stem from the, the legitimate needs that we have. And those legitimate needs are there, they drive us, and we try to have those needs met in various ways. And we say about anger, it is a blocked goal. 
And when there's a goal that is blocked, we'll get angry. Let me give you a, 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 a scenario which you'll be familiar with. is driving in our traffic. When uh, cars are coming up on the left and they're wanting to right and <laughs> don't wait for the lights. I don't know about you, but there are times when I've expressed my anger very loudly on the horn. And, uh, you know, oh, why don't you drive rumbling? But you don't do that, do you? <laughs> so how much does that change how they drive? Not at all. It certainly spoils my day. And I, I tell that story because we do that often. You see, the th point is, is there's a goal at play. And the goal is they should drive properly. Is that right? And of course they should. But the problem is I've made it my goal, my purpose, my responsibility to make sure they drive properly. And that's out of my control. And this, I tell that story, folks, because we often do that in life. We have lots of shoulds and musts. And they, you know, our kids, our kids must behave properly. And, and my wife must love me like I need to be loved. And, my, and I should be respected by those people and my employees. How can they disrespect me for that? All of that are goals that are blocked. But they're goals over which I have no control. And so when you're angry, is to say, okay, what's the goal that's being blocked? What's the need that I'm trying to get met? Is it in my control? If it's not, then I need to change it into a desire. It would be nice if, be nice if my children behave nicely, but I, I can't make them. Certainly when they're teenagers, you can't. So I need to let it go, and we make it a desire. We talk about changing a goal into a desire. It would be nice. I can try and influence it, but let me not make it my business. Let me not make it my responsibility to make sure that these happen, things happen. We talk about, it's well known, that those uh, families uh, where there's an addict in the family, uh, let's, say, let's talk about an alcoholic. They talk about the rage of the family members of an alcoholic. So where does that rage come from? And the rage comes from the fact that they have made it their business to change that alcoholic. But they cannot. It's not in their control. And because of that, that goal has been blocked and blocked and blocked and blocked and it builds up into a rage. They've got to let it go. They have to let it go. And if you're familiar with that kind of scenario, you'll know that that's true. But folks, we all do it. We all do it with people around about us. We have goals that are not in our control. And so we need to change it to desire and then finally decide or, or think through what is the need here that I desperately want met? What is the need that's at work? And I need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need that from you. I know you'll give it to me. I can't make my wife love me like I need to be loved, but I can receive your love. I can't demand my children respect me like I need to be respect. They can't, actually. But, Lord, I know I can come to you and receive your assessment of my value. You hold me as precious. Let me drink that in and not demand it from other people. Does that make sense? And so wherever there's that anger, it's saying, what's the goal here? What's the, the need that's at work? And change that into desire and go back to the Lord and say, Lord, let me receive this thing from you. Let me receive it from you. I would have closed by uh, finishing the story I started last week 
where um, I talked about uh, Barclays Bank and closing. They, they, they said they want to close my account. And uh, they made it worse by then uh, I had tried to make an a pay payment, tried to move money out of the account. And uh, they, they uh, blocked the online banking. So I couldn't get in to remove the money of an account that they were about to change. And I was saying how anxiety-producing that was. <laughs> so I want to continue the story. It was after lots of phone calls and my brother going into the bank in, in, in England. And uh, oh, the, the, the hassle. We, we finally organized a video call uh, from Barclays Bank from the fraud team. <clears throat> I think they thought I was very suspicious. Anyway, it happened. Well, not on the day, but it happened, and so I was thankful for that. And I spoke to the man from Barclays, and it was a video call, so he could see that I wasn't so suspicious. And uh, <laughs> I had to show him my passport and whatever, 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 all this process. And he says, no, this is fine. I'm going to activate your account right now. And I thought, ah, oh, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Ah, oh, relief. And we finished the call. The first thing I did is got my card and my card reader, tried to go on, on, online. was blocked. <coughs> Error code 308, whatever, whatever, whatever. <laughs> I was angry, having just been told they're going to clear it. And uh, you see, I want to use that as an illustration. So there's the obvious block goal. It's, it's my, I can't get into my account, and they're going to close it, and this money is going to get locked up in there, and I won't be able to use it. But there's a deeper goal, folks. Why, why is that account so important? And it's to do with financial security. It's to do with my security. And where does my security come from? Barclays Bank. It comes from the Lord. If my funds get locked up forever, God still loves me. And you see, if I, if I use that tool, what is the block goal here? Lord, what's the need? And where do I get that met? Why am I trying to get that met there? Let me make it a desire. can still work towards it. But I'm going to turn to you, Lord, and, and have this need met in you. Does that make sense? Let's pray. Father, you know every one of us here. You know our lives. You know our hearts and our minds. You know where we are on that spectrum, Lord, that we, whether we tend to lose it or whether we tend to just suppress it and whether we never deal with issues, Lord, and, and, and live with the consequences of that. You know where we are. And so I pray for your grace. We've talked about the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. And so I pray for that, Lord. I pray that you would help those of us who lose it, Lord, to have that self-control and to be loving in our, our, our expression of our anger. And those that are afraid and don't want to rock the boat, Lord, that you'd give us the courage and the grace to be able to use that anger as energy to be able to confront issues and deal with them. And especially, Lord, especially that whatever... However, whatever we do with our, our anger, or as we've managed our anger, help us to look at what's going on underneath. Help us to look at why we are, what's blocking our goals, and why are they goals. Help us to get our needs met.
permanently in you. We pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry.